Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today is the seventh episode of our engineering series. We will be talking about Star Trek Discovery. I figured out too late. I was supposed to be doing the other part. <laughs> no, you're fine. I was I'm like, whoa, she's so going excited for it. <laughs> to do discovery today, Ashlyn. <laughs> My love was definitely rejuvenated watching these episodes. And it makes me even more sad that we know we have one more season coming. But also I'm excited to have one more season because yeah. I'm getting to the point where I've seen these seasons a lot and I'm ready for some fresh content. And I'm really curious with how they're going to deal with the end of the show. So <laughs> I have all those same thoughts, Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> Can't <laughs> wait for more like anger and controversy in the Trek fandom. I'm just going to try to ignore it. <laughs> ignore it and love it. That's what I do. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're here to do, Rihanna. That's what this podcast is all about. Ignoring yes. it and loving it. And I'm shaken because Rihanna is holding Michael Burnham right now. Oh, is that was that a surprise just for me? Um, well, kind of because she was picked for, I believe, a Patreon or something. And usually until we do a reset of the series, I've been trying to keep out the action figures that um, have already been picked. Oh, been previously drawn. That's smart. My, put them on my cute little stand. So then they're like the, the guests of the season. But. Michael Burnham needs a chance to be in the Discovery episode, so I'm going to give her that chance by putting well, her back in. I was going to say, you could just leave her on the side, and whoever, she can just get a friend out of the bag today. You know, that's true. Okay, Michael. I think it's okay to promote them to the pods. The yeah. The ones I have out right now are Sarek, Harry Kim, Odo, and um, Gambit Picard. So, oh, and <laughs> who's this? Oh, no, and Chakotay. So, oh, wow, okay. We have a lot that are just, like, hanging around. Yeah, sure. Well, that's fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring another friend then. Ashley, okay. it's time. Yeah, so. it's it's for sure time. <laughs> I would love oh, to hear God. who you pick. A bunch just <laughs> fell out. <laughs> they're out of the running. Yeah, they're out of the running. Oh, oh my God. This is, this is amazing. <laughs> yes, me too. Wow. Rihanna, who do you have? I have Scotty from the no. Kelvinverse. You picked an engineer during our engineering series. I'm so happy. I have yet to have picked Scotty, though I think I picked O'Brien last week, so I'm finally collecting them all. Ashlyn, maybe you'll get Balana one of these days. Yeah, she's in there somewhere, but there's only <laughs> one Balana in, you know, how many oh, action figures? Hundreds of Picards. No. <laughs> hundreds of Picards, yeah. <laughs> who did you choose? I have giant Beverly Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She, no joke, I think she's about a foot tall. And yeah. maybe not a foot, like eight inches. <laughs> yeah, she's still very she's tall. dick sized. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, Rihanna's soul left her. She's like, I'm too oh, gay for that oh joke. My God. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot tell. <laughs> Traumatized oh on the pod by my own sister. Uh, Attacked. Okay. Um, uh, 
Ashlyn, it's really crazy that you have a giant Bev Crusher because I have a giant Wesley Crusher. They're the same size. I mean, they have the same genetic. Gen they have the same genes, Rihanna. <laughs> They're both large. I Spock that size because you know, large Spock. Um, um, great. Well, we yeah, have a lot of engineers and scientists in the house today. Absolutely, we have people in STEM for sure. <laughs> They're all in STEM. That's Star Trek. But anyway, oh, well, yeah, <laughs> good, good point. <laughs> but still, okay. it's gonna be fun. Speaking of Star Trek, um, Brianna, <laughs> I have a question for you. Perfect topic change. <laughs> yeah, I know we don't normally talk about Star Trek on this pod, but um, I was curious because wow, Technobabble in Discovery is different and just engineering and science everything is different in discovery so this is going to be a fun conversation so but but to just start us off i'm curious what was your favorite techno babble in disco there's a lot to choose from because frankly this like is a very rich series yeah i'm gonna go with one of the moments that reno sort of is putting together some crazy solutions out of thin air she's talked about using duct tape before she's put a lot of bodies back together using engineering techniques. But I want to talk about in 10C for just a brief moment about her using some black licorice to activate a electric current <laughs> into a communicator chip. So not even a communicator itself, but the chip, I guess, that goes inside the badge in this new, you know, in this universe, in this future, I mean. And she says the acid in the licorice, which is some kind of lithiceric Cirazic acid, I can't pronounce it. <laughs> that sounds in right licorice. to me. <laughs> yeah. Glyceric acid in licorice, when it dissolves, it conducts electricity and she can use it to call discovery. Just the chip from this acid that dissolves. I just think, like, yeah, genius, what? <laughs> how would you ever know that? <laughs> like, first of all, how would you have figured that out? Like, oh, this acid. Like, I guess she knows the properties of black licorice because she really likes the food. But it's just really wild to me and shows you what a genius uh, Reno is. So that, there's my little answer. <laughs> Ashlyn, I'm so curious about your favorite techno babble this week. Well, that is a great answer, Rihanna. I think that's just part of being part of this crew and being in Starfleet at this time is like when you love science, you you find out the science behind like every single thing that you enjoy. And I could totally see Reno just like, dissecting licorice and looking at it under a microscope and be like whoa like i love this like what makes this so good you know yeah totally love that for me i really thought it was interesting talking about the spore drive because obviously this is something that's brand new to discovery like one of the like selling points of the whole show is this cool ass way that they travel through space and stamets in the episode context is for kings he eventually tells Michael what is happening with the spore drive. And so he says, and I, I don't, I can't follow it. <laughs> he says the spores are the progenitors of pans, panspermia, the building blocks of energy across the universe. It's not physics or biology. It's physics as biology. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's not technically sure. engineering, but this is still like techno babble, science babble. Um, I have, I still don't know. Like, I understand, you know, this discovery jumps using the mycelial network, which is like a 
the fungus that creates the building blocks of the universe or whatever. But it doesn't mean that I can understand like how how that works. But I thought it was cool to hear Stamets like he really nerds out in this episode. And then I will say I had a great follow up techno babble in the episode Stormy Weather. Michael, <laughs> um, she calls this signal the extra galactic energy signal, which is that what they're trying to generate in the episode. And I just thought <laughs> that I thought that was the coolest name ever because Michael's just like, oh yeah, the extra galactic energy signal. <laughs> like, I want that to be my band name, you know. <laughs> Honestly, that is a really good band. I thought that was pretty badass. Oh. I was like, ooh, like I'm not yeah. intergalactic. I'm extra galactic. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely oh, lovely. Lord. That is really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Lovely. Good to have that down. And I think now, hoof, let's just talk about the watch list. Let's talk about these episodes. So yeah. making this watch list was not as difficult as I thought it was going to be because Discovery covers so many different themes per episode and mm -hmm. engineering is not the same. It does not have the same focus that it does in other shows. And a huge part of that is because of the spore drive. Like in the whole first season, there's really no like the workhorse going to blow, you know, like none of those moments yeah. because like if, if anything, it's just like dealing with different ways that the spore drive is being like directed either via the tardigrade or stamets once they figure that out and so it doesn't seem like there's the same types of crisis that happen and the 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 types of well engineering crisis i should say the types of crisis that they're dealing with are like world ending consequences but the ship is yeah. doing fine for the most part so true and so it just makes it kind of a weird watch list but also really fun because that means we get to explore new definitions of what engineering is and so yes. I really wanted to focus on the spore drive, of course. And then also once we get into the future, there is brand new tech in Star Trek. How exciting is this? So I can't wait to talk Ooh. about that as well. So here we go. The first section is called Cruisin' on Shrooms with context <laughs> is for kings and the butcher cares not for the lamb's cry. No, the butcher's knife cares no, not. The knife. Yeah. <laughs> Just, not the weeping no, butcher. The butcher's knife. The butcher does care. The butcher's knife does not. <laughs> These titles kill me. Okay. Um the next <laughs> the next section is no, the wait, jet. Wait, wait. No, Ashley. You're, you sent me an email to the zoo that says context, <laughs> that says context is for the lambs. Such sweet, so, such sweet stormy weather, but to connect. <laughs> so, if you felt about that at all, you're a Discovery fan. Congratulations. <laughs> I just always can't believe these weird titles that they have for Disco. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, any trick, like it cracks me up. This it's is amazing. Very TOS marketing for them. Like. Oh, absolutely. They're like, we're we're going back to TOS era, so these episodes have to be as weirdly named as possible. Totally. And very vague too. Like, I can't tell you what goes on in the butcher's knife cares not for the lamb's cry. Are you kidding? Oh, me? what about an oval for Cheron? Oh. Lord. <laughs> I could talk about discovery titles. The second section is called the Jet Reno Special Part 2. You might recall that we did have an episode called the Jet Reno Special back in Feminism. Yeah. So in this section, we are talking about Brother, the Red Angel, 
The Short Track Runaway, and Such Sweet Sorrow Part 1 and 2. Mostly Part 1. And then we are ending, this is not quite as intense of a watch list, we are ending with the section Upgrades and Downgrades, talking about (laughs) (laughs) Scavengers, The Galactic Barrier, Stormy Weather, and But to Connect. Yeah, that's right. And but to connect. <laughs> <laughs> two, you know, two conjunctions in a row. Yeah. What's their function? I don't know. Oh, good question. Great. Wow, we we love School of Rock references in here. We really do. Um, wow. Okay, well, let's go back to the Lorca era. Our first hot <laughs> captain. Uh, he's not that hot. My gosh, Rian doesn't understand me (laughs) i really don't i really don't understand um i respect you i don't understand you (laughs) um okay yes let's let's talk about Lorca, which means of course we have to also talk about the spore drive like you were saying earlier i'm really glad you talked about that as your techno babble ashlyn because you're right this is an extremely new thing and discovery introduced the spore drive really as a new mode of transportation it's not used warp drive no dilithium crystals in sight um and so i remember watching discovery i think we watched a little bit after the first season had come out so a little bit behind the ball on uh catching up on discovery but i remember there being some buzz around people being a little bit annoyed or just like frustrated like this isn't canon this isn't like what's the continuity around the technology here, you know? And I just want to mention really quick that like the technology and the idea of the spore drive is actually like based on a real scientist named Paul Stamets that they literally just like named Paul after in the, in the show. And he's He's alive right now. Like he's a real human. Yeah. Yeah. And he, in the 1970s began studying uh, fungi under this microscope and he is starting, to, he said he was, quote, starting to understand how mushrooms can help the health and health of people and planet. And he said that, like, there is sort of this mycelial connection that mushrooms have. And so the writer of Discovery kind of, like, brought Stamets in on advice of, like, how could this turn into kind of a scientific highway, you know, instead of just, like, the spores that, go through the earth or through the mushrooms, that kind of stuff. Instead, instead, like they wanted to like tap into the mycelial archetype. I wrote a whole article about this, what I like briefly wrote on heavy.com. So um, I can link to it in our Patreon, but it's just really interesting because like, I know a lot of people were, or not a lot, but I know that there was a loud majority or a loud minority of people being up in arms about the tech being too advanced for the era when I'm like, well, it's also a 1970s idea that is just being translated into like a space idea. And so who's to say that that wouldn't have happened around that time. And of course, Discovery is like the only ship with the spore drive. So they were sort of able to also get away with that because it was this kind of like secret um, weapon almost when it was commissioned. So yeah, and you know, it makes it much easier for me to swallow when I see exactly how top secret this research is because Michael, even when she's talking to Tilly when they first meet and they have a black alert go off, Tilly, like Michael's like, what is going on? And she says, oh, you haven't been briefed. And even Tilly, like, that, you know, obviously she's following regulations. Like she doesn't even tell Michael what's happening to the point, like Michael's on the ship. You might as well tell her what's happening. But 
so viewing it through that lens, it was like, wow, so this is what Starfleet is spending their money on. They're putting all of their best possible cutting edge technology out here on the Discovery and the Glen. And it definitely made it more believable for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who I could really look, look the other way when it comes to how much more advanced the technology is on Discovery. I like like the explanation, you know, that we've been talking about. I really like that. But I also know that they're trying to make a Trek show that looks really cool. And just like replicating the same set on the Enterprise is not like, I, I, I don't know. It's it, they want to make it look sleeker and have a like a new style and new design. And so I really respect their choice. And also, it's fine. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm able to let go of of those issues. But I will say that there are several times, especially in context is for Kings, and even in season two, where they make jokes sort of about, you know, I think where they, they make jokes, they make jokes that break the fourth wall and tell the audience, like, we know that <laughs> this looks different than TOS. And one of those examples happens when Michael is first introduced to Stamets and she's under orders from Lorca to go and assist him in what's going on with this board drive. And so Stamets gives her a tape Literally, it looks very similar to the TOS like tapes that they had. It looks like little pieces of cheese <laughs> that they would like stick in the computer, and that's exactly what she what he gives Michael. Which I love that, and she is reconciling code and everything. Yes, that is a great thing to um, to mention. I didn't really see that. It's so cool. Yeah, she just goes over to a little station, puts it in, and there's these small touches like this that makes you that makes me know like that they we're, were trying to honor Trek and we're trying to honor the tech of this era, but they're just doing their own thing, so it's fine. Yeah, and what is Star Trek if not trying new things? I I really thought it was interesting watching Stamets talk to his friend on the Glen because they're comparing notes and you know when I think about Discovery I think about Stamets as being like alone in this and he's like the spore drive expert so it's easy to forget that this whole situation started because Stamets was a mere a mere uh, like a genius scientist who was just studying spores and mushrooms because he thought it was interesting so it's really it's really cool to see Stamets talking to Strahl and having them compare notes and especially because it seems like Obviously, this is Starfleet's priority, is trying to find a new way of traveling that doesn't involve the warp core or dilithium crystals. And so they have captains on these missions that are clearly using different tactics to try to get the spore drive to work. And the Glen is pushing the limit on what they're using because... Um, <laughs> So the Spirin level, they're they're like comparing notes about whatever the heck Spirin is. Sure, and sure. Um, Paul is only at 12 on Discovery. And then the Glenn is at 240. And he's like, <laughs> dang, that's crazy. And he's like, yeah, but tonight we're pushing for 900. 900 Spirin? Like, calm Whoa, down. Sounds yeah. like a lot of Spirin. And they end up getting destroyed. <laughs> um, <laughs> by Klingons and the, tardi the oh. tardigrade yeah <laughs> too much spear and it's well, bad for you yeah actually didn't uh scall scall scrawl scrawl didn't <laughs> didn't Stamets's buddy um get mangled by his own science yeah he did so the spear not to it real good <laughs> 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 it's uh it's not pleasant 
<laughs> I feel like this happens to too many engineers. You know, this is the problem is like, you, you're studying too much science and then something freaky happens to you, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I, I think also we should talk a little bit about Tilly for a second because um, she says that she is the best theoretical engineer on the ship and that's why she was fast-tracked as a cadet. So, cause I'm, I'm also like laughing at Tilly because she has her own room on discovery. Like she is a cadet and she's not sleeping in a, in bunks with everybody else. Yeah. Partially because she's uh, is a snorer. And so she uh, is alone, but I also wonder if discovery is such a like advanced ship or it's like so secretive that they don't have hardly any lower deckers. And so maybe Tilly's just in like an extra room that they have true also we don't have to even talk about this like it's just silly bed no. situation but <laughs> no no i think we do because here's the thing ashlyn is that like this you're right this is insane that tilly is such a good engineer and such a good scientist that she was not only fast-tracked from the academy to become a cadet um early she also got her own room got her own position in engineering working with the chief engineer, we presume Stamets is at this point, um, or at least head spore drive expert. <laughs> I actually don't know who the chief of engineering is. Like, it's I so don't, whack. I don't think it's like, Stamets. Discovery does this where it's like, we got characters for you, but they're not quite the chief of something, or they're not quite this bridge officer. Like Dr. Pollard always gets so shafted, but Pollard is actually CMO, like medical officer. And Chief medical officer, and everyone's like, oh, Colbert is. And I'm like, no, no. Colbert's just friends with Michael. (laughs) And I guess Palmer's not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I guess, I guess not. Yeah. So that I think is really interesting. And the fact that Tilly gets to work side by side with Stamets um, is, you know, probably challenging and very, like, learning a lot of engineering and a lot more from Stamets. And he's learning from her along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I saw, or Stamets said that he's an astromycologist. So that's, cool. that's what he is. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, go Tilly. I love to see this. And also just to be reminded that she was fast-tracked to be a cadet. It's yeah. wild. I mean, very Ahura of her, to be honest. Totally. It, it seems like they were really doing this a lot in this era. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're throw I our best people first. out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, you know, so Ashlyn, I think we should talk about this opening scene where we see Stamets and Michael meeting that you discussed earlier, because this is an interesting engineering environment for Michael to be introduced to, because, of course, she is a mutineer, so she's not really looked highly upon in engineering or any part of the ship, really, at the moment, and Stamets is pretty hostile to her pretty quickly, you know, like, who are you? What do you want? Um, And I just think about all of our different engineering environments and all of them, I think, could be classified as chaotic at any given point. But I don't think hostile is really on the list, except for on this discovery engineering environment, at least for Michael and her position. Tilly has her whole thing about you can't sit next to me. And then Stamets is like, we don't have assigned seats. <laughs> it's just like Tilly's like, ah, fuck. <laughs> like I shouldn't have said anything. And then Stamets spends a long time, a long time mansplaining about like his work and the spore drive and what's happening with the ship and all of that. 
And like you said, keeping Michael in the dark. So I just think this is an, an insane position to put Michael in because not only is it a hostile environment, but it's also she's working in engineering without knowing what she's working on. That's just how, how are you supposed to get anything done? It's just like, it's so interesting to see that this is the beginning of Lorca's reign, shall we say. Well, yeah. I mean, he literally picked her because he was like, Hey, I banged you in the alternate universe. Like, yeah, let's go. Like we must be destined to cross paths. I also, I mean, Michael is so smart and I think in the butcher's knife cares not for the lamb's cry. Um, Saru even says to, or it might be in this one, I don't know, but so, but at one point Saru says to Lorca in front of Stamets and a bunch of people in engineering, like Michael is the smartest Starfleet officer I have ever met. And then Lorca's like, yeah, and you're in this room. Like he says to Stamets, <laughs> which is yes. savage. Ooh, and so I think that's why, I mean, Lorca doesn't know that necessarily, but he, I mean, he knows that his Michael is smart. But so it is, it is great to see Saru, you know, he's like mutiny aside, you know, <laughs> like yeah. she's really, she's really smart. And so I think it's also a good time to talk about Lorca and Stamets yes. because this, it's clear that they do not agree on how the, these tests should go. And uh, Lorca is just like, push, 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 we're at war, we need results right now. And Stamets, like any scientist knows that you can't just do this quickly and like when, things are done quickly, mistakes are made, or, you know, you're not, because you're not considering like everything that could possibly happen. You're absolutely right. I'm glad you bring this up with Lorca because there is such a clear coercion into using engineering as like sort of the, um, the vessel for for their like warship. I mean, Discover basically is during this. It can be anywhere in the fleet, anywhere in Klingon territory in an instant. And Lorca, <laughs> if you go back and watch some of these beginning episodes or some of these early episodes of season one, I swear Lorca says we're at war like 20 times per episode. Like yep. that is his yep. excuse for everything. And so it's really interesting to see the engineering side of this because Stamets, of course, is fighting back as much as he can. But at some point, you just have to listen to your captain or go to the brig kind of thing or just be like, order to do it anyway and knowing Lorca he'd, he'd do something even dicier um so there's a lot of pressure too especially in the the, the lamb one <laughs> episode three or episode four because like there's so much pressure for the spore drive to work and this tardigrade is being tortured and it's it's dying and it's not going to work for this jump and so it's just incredible writing to see the like buildup of this tension throughout these episodes between Lorca and Stamets and how he, Stamets is pushed so hard. I mean, no wonder he's kind of an asshole. Curse my, excuse my cursing, but like, <laughs> I, I think a lot of people would be under Lorca, you know, like they're under so much pressure to do everything right perfectly to this crazy war that they're fighting. Um, and especially Stamets with this new mode of transportation that is like their best and biggest asset in the entire fleet. So a lot of pressure. And I, it, it's just so interesting because then you see the cascade into Stamets then injecting himself with the tardigrade DNA and then becoming a, a human tester, you know, essentially 
essentially becoming one with his own engine and it, it truly engineering's dream question mark i don't know but uh he does it and they use him for the rest of this oh god like what two seasons so at least or they keep using him you know i mean it's still the only way they can find to run the spore drive so to, to push someone to do that has to be extreme you know and we see this pot bubbling and finally boiling over for quite a long time very nice um imagery there with that witch's brew <laughs> boiling over Rhea. thank you it's yeah it's time. It's time. <laughs> yeah exactly it's it's all <laughs> and um, stamets is stirring the pot but it still boils over <laughs> very good cliches okay. on cliches. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes. Okay. This is so interesting because it's so contrary to everything that we've talked about in the series about making like ha about having really good command teams because an engineer, chief engineer, and I know, I know, I know it's not Stamets, but like from what we're talking about, like this is an essential part of the ship that Lorca has to be communicating with a lot. Like it's their prime directive right now is to figure out how to get this thing to go. And so in a crisis situation, like is, is Stamets just going to say yes to whatever Lorca says? No, not always. And there's several times where things, you know, like Lorca really has to convince Stamets to do something and like there's the critical moments like this this is not a functional relationship that can last for very long and obviously everything happens at the end but interesting to see someone who does not just like blindly obey because there's no sense of trust between Lorca and Stamets like yeah Stamets is extremely annoyed and increasingly suspicious throughout the season well and you brought up a good point like with the trust I think with all these other engineers we've talked about, even with Balana, she trusts Janeway pretty easy or pretty early on and pretty easily because they both prove themselves to each other. And Lurka keeps proving himself to be making these really spectacularly poor decisions, you know, or decisions that are sacrificing the one for the many type thing and the one being Stamets a lot of the time or sometimes Tilly when she's trapped in something, but, you know, so it, I think that that dynamic, of course, is going to not be sustainable and doesn't lend to a helpful environment for others. And so I think that though this doesn't excuse Stamets's behavior, it helps me to understand a little more like why he lashes out you know, um, but it's still just not fair because then Tilly is feeling the the breadth of that and Michael by proxy, you know, it's just like a chain reaction. And I just have never seen this in engineering before. And things do get better, of course, when Lorca leaves. And of course, like they all, of course they're gonna get better because then you have Pike who is like an angel um, compared to Lorca and truly understanding of the situation but again we've got another like mystery on our hands that Stamets feels like he has to chase on his own and Tilly is still feeling the like brunt of his anger so it's just really fascinating to me to watch their dynamic but I also just feel for Tilly you know because that can't be a fun environment to be around um, but she sticks with it because she knows Stamets and she knows that this his brash behavior like she knows what's underneath and how good of an engineer he is yeah, it makes me wonder actually if she knew him at all before Discovery. I would think not. Yeah. 
but like or if if she knew him like without Lorca breathing down his neck you know right yeah um, she see or she just sees through him maybe yeah I also one last thing about Stamets that I I really really love going back and watching these early episodes of Discovery is that he is like in any other context like this is the nerdiest man you have ever met in your <laughs> yeah. life and it's so funny because he's so serious yeah. about his mushrooms and just like some of the things he's saying is just like deeply deeply nerdy and i love him so much yes. but it's like a room full of hardcore nerds which is <laughs> just the opposite of most places you go in the world yes. uh, yeah. at least in my circles unfortunately i wish i was in a room of True. serious nerds pretty much at all times but um <laughs> come to, come, i guess sometimes though in academia right i have a lot of serious nerds in my department Oh, for sure. Yeah. But like I was around serious music nerds and they're oh, yeah. kind of That's weird, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I, th I, yeah, I think about my, my best friend Carson is in uh, her residency at Cornell. Shout out Carson. And she talks about this, that they, you know, they have her, when her friends hang out, like at the bar, they just have really like nerdy, like specific vet conversations. Hilarious. Anyway, I love yeah. all you, you people. You're so smart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, I just adore this with Stamets. And um, I, I think also that's something that Lorca can't, doesn't like also is that he doesn't, I, not that he doesn't understand what's going on, but he, I think, looks down on Stamets so much for being this like weak guy who's obsessed with mushrooms, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> like he just like doesn't respect Stamets. And I, I really think it's because he is so against the war and he's just like, you know, I just want to do my research and that's what I'm passionate about. And Stamets oh. is like, well, that's lame. So... <laughs> And I think he's triggered because he remembers what his Stamets is like. And he hates oh, his mirror Stamets, too. Oh, my gosh. You're so, so right. So it's twofold. Um, the other thing I was going to say, and I love all your points about him being a nerd who loves mushrooms, was that, like, I really wonder what Lorca would do as, like, a one-sentence or one-word description of the rest of the crew. Because he would probably just, for Stamets, be, like, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Cannot talk to that man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my so, gosh. It's just so interesting. And and one of the things that Stamets does talk about in season one about the spore drive being sort of a marriage between organic and um like synthesized matter, you know, like between engineering and like medical <laughs> i don't know what <laughs> medical science engineering and medical basically mm -hmm. um is a lot of what he's doing in uh, with the spore drive and so i loved seeing this connection that this this engineer is doing a lot more than just engineering you know he's thinking through all of these different lenses and so is reno i think in season two episode one of brother reno is absolutely doing the same thing saying that like these bodies that I'm keeping alive are basically just machines, you know, <laughs> like basically the same principles, which is just like, how is that true? How is, no, it's just, it's just their minds work in this incredible way where like Reno and Stamets and people like them, frankly, Michael, Tilly even, most of these scientists aboard Discovery, when they work together, that's why I love seeing all these scenes where they're working together because they have all these crazy, solutions and ideas 
But anyhow, I, I just find this so fascinating, sort of the parallel between Stamets and Reno, and probably why they're a little bit like snippy at each other, because they're so fucking similar. I'm yes. sorry, I'm just cursing this episode. I don't, I don't know. About <laughs> Rihanna said red alert. <laughs> I've had a day like with a capital D, so um, oh, I'm cursing. With a crusher length D? No, <laughs> fuck off, Ashlyn, fuck off. I was so close to hitting leave on the pod just now. I'm not even fucking joking. <laughs> I had to shoot my fucking shot. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Oh my god, that was amazing. It's just fun to speak. <laughs> yeah, I really think about season two as the teamwork season because the best scenes are the ones, like you said, where they're all working together. And I think a huge part of that, I'm sorry, I'm going to small Pike tangent, but I think a, hard, a, a large part of that is because Pike is so willing to listen to everybody's ideas. And he's honest about being like, okay, like th this is part of um, like what, what I love so much about Pike as a captain. And it's something that Kirk is really good at too, is listening to what everyone has to say when you yourself have no goddamn clue what is going on you're like okay i don't know what to do but i can use my judgment and judge all these other ideas we hear a lot of really cool ideas and the fact that there's no judgment in the process i think it really allows people to be extremely creative and this is something that i love so much about discovery and i feel like i there's a, not everyone has seen the anime Dr. Stone, but the premise of that is that every human has been turned to stone and they've been sitting around as stone people for a hundred thousand years. But there's uh, one guy, Senku, who eventually wakes up and he's like a genius. And so he himself basically tries to jumpstart humanity, unfreeze all these people. And there's nothing like all the civilization is completely collapsed. There's no buildings anymore. The earth has reclaimed itself. And so it's all about using science to like reinvent things that were already invented. And it shows like real science and his real like algorithms and everything is in and this is how i feel watching discovery honestly in a lot of these seeds it's not quite as intense but they like science is their bedrock and so it's interesting to me how engineering in this season or engineering in the show is just so out the window like the concept of engineering that we've had for all of these star trek uh series that we've been talking about is completely gone because all of the science is intermixed and i think that's just so cool and so new yeah it's not even like it's gone it's just synthesized and just like intermixed with other sciences it's so cool i love that you talked you were saying that Ashlyn because it reminds me of literally Michael Burnham being stabbed by that like piece of whatever hot uh, hot glass <laughs> in the leg like shrapnel yeah yeah still reaching to pick up waiting to say waiting to get beamed up urgently reaching to pick up the dark matter for Tilly because for science like they wanted to test it and they wanted to be the mothers of this like new invention, a dark matter like propulsion or, or something to help with the spore drive. I can't quite remember what Tilly wanted that dark matter for, but Michael is so desperate, you know, to help Tilly with this science project and to help see if she can, you know, like bring a sample back that she just grabs it, you know, and then like the first thing she does when she wakes up in sick bay is be like, Tilly, I had it in my hand. And it just like didn't beam up with me. 
that is the funniest thing and the most like starfleet engineer i've seen you know is wake up for being like in a horrible accident she just saw the red angel by the way for the first time <laughs> as well and still is thinking about science yeah well and not only did she try to beam it up she's been awake i think for like half an hour or whatever and the entire time she's been working on a plan to try to capture the asteroid based off of like her assumptions about what this rock could be made of if it couldn't be beamed up which is amazing until he literally comes in and she's like you've been working on this you're supposed to be resting she's <laughs> like i'm a terrible patient <laughs> it's like yeah you are yes, I, I love this exchange this is like a great scene in sick bay and then we we also get the explanation of why they are so excited about it because since they, they couldn't get a lock on the rock which i'm i'm <laughs> copywriting that phrase um, <laughs> there is no lock on the rock which means that the asteroid is not entirely made of bayaran of by of baryonic matter rihanna so isn't that exciting Ooh, that is um, exciting until he says this has the potential to be a hundred percent efficient energy source wow <laughs> amazing everyone's looking for that always so great news great news yeah a hundred percent efficient <laughs> power source sounds like the, of like yeah the dream um and so then they go on to capture an asteroid yeah. amazing scene Oh, because everyone gets to work. Like, I love seeing Tilly. <laughs> Rihanna said, get to work, you lazy bones. <laughs> no, I mean, like, lower decks. I mean, people on the bridge. Yeah, like, everyone's, I I yeah. I saw, um, what's that cool blonde lady's name? Oh, she, she's four. cool. Yeah. Anyway, I saw, like, a lot of people from the bridge down there helping. You know, it's just really great to see. And then, of course, when they grab it and it's in the bay, Tilly goes, this is the power of math, people. <laughs> and everyone's cheering. Again, nerds. All these nerds. I love them so much. But the nerds have united to form a, a single goal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And they did it. Yeah, it's so awesome. It makes me... He's just very yeah. excited. And and also Stamets. He has been having a really rough time because yeah. um, Hugh died in season one and he hasn't come back to life yet. And he's thinking about quitting Starfleet entirely and going to teach. He, which, okay, if my spouse died on the ship I was serving, I would also want to leave. So yeah, yeah I totally understand this. But he sees what Tilly is doing he's like you didn't invite me to the party like literally Stamets is such a nerd he's like this yes, is he's like party, party. <laughs> yeah in the cargo bay <laughs> let's go um I love this and then so I think it kind of gets him excited too to see other people are making like really exciting discoveries and this is why he's here in the first place exactly he was never here to be on a war vessel like Lorca wanted. That was one of his huge things. He's like, we're out here to discover. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> you should have said that. This is the discovery. We're out here to discover. You should look <laughs> at the name on the pole plating. Like... Yeah, like he would march him up to the bridge. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I just, I think Stamets is just one who grows on you. You know, I, I, this is helping me understand him more, though. Like, I'm more on his side a little bit of like, oh, you were a jerk because you were pushed to be a jerk. Like, I see. <laughs> um, but Ashlyn, should we talk about another teamwork moment? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> okay, the sphere. This part is just crazy. Um, this is, we're not going to talk about the whole episode, but just wanted to briefly mention that collecting this sphere 
was like kind of harrowing you know they had to take the shuttle and it was like consuming the shuttle <laughs> at one point and i just think it's another great method of teamwork or another great instance of teamwork is when they are able to get the spear data of course they don't know that it's going to be forever integrated <laughs> into discovery but it does plant the seeds for this new type of this new type of technology that's been around for <laughs> um a hundred it's like a hundred thousand million years or something <laughs> i don't know <laughs> Millions of miles, yeah, thousands, thousands of miles. Thousands of miles. <laughs> <laughs> Any day I get to quote the voyage home is a good day. <laughs> yes, amen to that. Oh my God, bless! It was hundreds of thousands of years old, is what they say. So I was yeah, close with hundreds of close. thousand, hundreds of millions. <laughs> you said. <laughs> okay. um, so the sphere data is old and it has a bunch of knowledge that is being integrated into the ship system and it's kind of funny because yet like they don't talk about it much you know it's just sort of it must really integrate easily probably because it knows so much <laughs> it's I always, like i got you i always just thought that it went like into the ship archives or something and, oh, and that's yeah. why it wasn't brought up and then slowly it like actually alters the state of the ship well, um, I mean, we did forget, yeah, that like the sphere does literally change the language. I did not forget. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, I did forget. I love that languages. Yeah. Oh, and so great part. Yeah. Like literally saves the day, even though he's going through Vaharai. Vaharai. <laughs> That's an obol for Charon. <laughs> oh, oh, it's all coming back around. That's when Tilly uh -huh. uses the dark matter without authorization and then gets the. the parasite slap on the wrist yeah on her. Uh -huh. yeah so ashlyn so yeah ashlyn this is you know for discovery it's always a cascade of things but i think the sphere is just so interesting and how we thought it was going to be something benevolent and actually it's something that is going to immensely help discovery but also be the crux for setting them into the future because of control oh yeah the reason we can't forget that the reason why discovery incorporated the sphere data into it anyway is because of the signal which of course was set by Ga by gabrielle burnham who's michael's mom Ooh. and she learned from her like thousands of trials that this is the only way to protect this or to protect the sphere data from control because once control gets a hold of the sphere data it obliterates everything game and over. Yeah. yeah game over like there's no life in the universe at all so this is this is organic the, life organic life yeah it's like all machines um <laughs> and so towards the end of season two that's when all the control and sphere stuff really starts getting talked about i i think it's good to mention control because it is ai and that's something that's very relevant right now yes. and it just in general like what a terrifying force it is yeah and it's going to have echoes into seasons three and four um we'll see amongst the crew because this is really harrowing what happens with control and the red angel you know all of this sort of interweaving together because you're absolutely right that gabrielle burnham is like truly the um the, the architect one, yeah the architect of the red angel suit and the architect of like the, their future, you know, of like humanity's future. Yeah, designed that shit. So it's just incredible to think that like Michael's engineering drive 
seemed so clearly to come from her parents and frankly come from probably Sarah, Spock, and Amanda as well. Or at least her love for Alice in Wonderland, question mark, came from Amanda. Oh, I don't Lord. know. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of the Alice in Wonderland. I'm That's all that again. Amanda all passed down. <laughs> um, shade to Amanda. I honestly. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I just think it's really interesting. You know, Michael's parents are these incredible engineers. We see them briefly in these flashbacks, like designing the red angel suit and then we see michael designing the red angel suit you know yeah well let's talk about more about the red angel in episode 10 the red angel aka trapping mommy episode yeah that's literally what you wrote in the watch list like, oh, cool i know which part to watch <laughs> um okay cool yeah, so I wanted to talk about when they trap mommy because she, <laughs> like, uh, there's a lot of interesting technology going on. And I just always think it's good to note uh, when they're doing something a little crazy and, like, Michael basically has to sacrifice herself to get the red angel, get the red angel to show up and save her. First of all, I loved hearing them say that there's a surge in tachyon radiation because that is because there's a surge in tachyon radiation because that's just like a hallmark for time travel after a time travel series. I every time I hear oh, like chroniton, chroniton. Yeah. or or tachyons, I'm like, let's go. Yeah. Um, and O'Brien's saying tachyons like every episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's tachyons everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Well, and because of wormholes opening up too. So that's, that's probably the tachyons. <laughs> but anyway. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, they have these huge things that they set up to trap her and I'm talking like gigantic. They look like big fans that you would have on like a lot or something like for an airplane jet <laughs> or for like an airplane fan. And so, um, it's that is what creates the containment field. And I just wanted to shout out that like, if you're mad about discovery being too advanced with technology, you think about when they create a containment field in TNG, like I know it's a hundred years later, they just, it's like, like the, it just like appears like in the walls Actually, and the ceiling. I was gonna make the same sound, I was gonna be like, Phew. <laughs> yeah um because that's when you touch it because everyone always go. tries to touch it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly and so like in this era to make a containment field you have to have like the giantest technology ever so i just i thought that was really funny and they do end up getting the suit it's really like cool effects it looks like they're grabbing her down tying her down yeah so they they caught her <laughs> they caught her yeah I, I think I've seen that episode hmm, upwards of like eight times and I could not tell you how or or like how that worked or how they did that, even though you just told me like <laughs> truly it makes no sense to me and I'm just happy it worked and I'm yep. sad that Michael had to almost die, but it worked. I know I was honestly <laughs> skipping through the scenes where Michael like, ah, oh, God, <laughs> I was like, oh, I feel terrible for her right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, wow. so let's go on to a special little side quest and talk about the short track Runaway, which features Queen Poe. I was going to say her whole title like Pike, but I'm not that cool. You know, I used to sort of know it, but That's it's, rough. it's amazing. So yeah, Poe, This we had to include just a little mention of this because Poe is an engineering genius. 
So we have to include her in a bit of this discussion, especially as we're getting closer to the end of season two, when we're having a lot of players coming in to help Discovery make it to the future. And that includes Poe and her literal insane amount of tech that she has. So she essentially is a runaway queen. At the time she was a princess and she was about to ascend the throne and she was like, nah, fuck this, I'm getting out. And so then she ran off world and stowed away <laughs> at Discovery until Tilly found her. They had their food fight and then talked for a while. So it's a really great short trek to go back, short trek to go back and watch sort of Tilly and Poe first meet because then we only see them reuniting in the finale. So I just want to mention that because Poe is running away from this experience because I think she wants to do more engineering. She is a genius. Like she's been stowing away in Discovery for a while, I believe. So for no one to have detected her is really incredible. And she's what, like 16, 17, you know, so. Yeah, I think she's 17 in the episode. I'm not sure about the short trek. Yeah, and I, I believe that was pretty recently before. But then, I think so. you know, we see in the finale that she is pretty much able to integrate engineering into her ruling. Like, since she's ruling this planet and not even just ruling, but just like she, she is very much a seemingly very great, like president almost, you know, she seems like a very great leader and an incredible engineer. So she of course wants to get her hands dirty and get in the action. She even leads one of the ships, you know, to distract control and all the AI, um, <laughs> the AI vessels that have been brought from section 31. And, and she she's not afraid to get her hands dirty. And it reminds me of Janeway being a good leader and being, you know, a good engineer. We, Rihanna, we almost got through a podcast without bringing up Janeway. We were so close. Um, <laughs> I think nope, we did. I think I think you did say Janeway and Bolana earlier, but I didn't count that because yeah. now I'm thinking about how awesome Janeway is. Rihanna, you should just let yes. me sleep. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, we're, I'm even going to talk about her again soon. So don't worry. Oh Lord, I can't <laughs> wait for the next Janeway reference. That's how I get through my days. I'm waiting for someone to bring <laughs> up Janeway. The next Janeway <laughs> a little morsel to get me through uh yes. yes so yeah poe is one of the coolest characters ever honestly in all of star trek like what a cool character in every single way i love her and it is oh man okay talk about teamwork this is one of my favorite rooms to be in in all of season two because i'm gonna read you this gathering of the absolute minds okay yeah so we have poe tilly Michael, Reno, and Spock all in one room. That's the most stacked room of all time. I mean, like, before I even read Spock's name, it was impressive. And then you throw yeah. Spock on top of it. It's almost like <laughs> this is an overwhelming amount this of is genius. Yeah. And then there's also Giorgio and Pike that are in the room too, but oh, I I just incredible. didn't I just yeah. didn't think they were quite on the level of like absolute. Well, Giorgio wants wisdom. to just like bomb everyone. So. <laughs> and Pike is like, uh, go with that. Like, let's yeah, do it. You know. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah. So and all all these women and Spock, absolutely amazing. But so essentially, Poe like she on her planet is recrystallizing the dilithium she has learned how to do this and so that is how she has made her planet zahia the most politically relevant planet in the quadrant which is exactly in the galaxy that's what she says too and so she says when she 
talks about or once they describe the problem, which is that they have a time crystal that is not charged and she needs they need to figure out how to activate it, but it would require a tremendous amount of power. And so she says, well, I can modify my dilithium incubator to trigger an ongoing cascade of energy with within the crystal by combining it with dark energy. Okay, girly, go for it. Um, okay, dark matter, dark energy. I'm loving this. I'm loving all this dark stuff. Yeah. Um, and then she says it will replicate the power of a supernova and charge the crystal. Um, but they go on to talk about how the crystal, it's kind of, I think Tilly says, or not, yeah, I think it's Tilly or Spock who says like, oh, it's like putting a glass of water under a waterfall. Um, eventually you'll drown. Which I was yeah. like, this is, and then someone's like, I don't, I don't get it. I think it's what? Pike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what I don't follow. Iconic, which, love that. Um, and then so th then that way they say that way they figure out or that in that way they discuss that it, eventually the crystal will burn itself out because if you're using the crystal to charge itself, that <laughs> won't work, you know. And so then they realize that they will only have enough energy for one go into the future, which means that Michael can't return, which is what she was planning on doing initially. So that's rough, buddy. But then we see Poe is like doing the modification to her dilithium incubator, and it looks, honest to God, like meat with some lights stuck in it. <laughs> Thank you. I always think that. Yeah, and even Tilly is like, this is some weird, crazy science thing, but it's awesome. I love crazy science things, and Tilly always is on board for them. It's so funny. Absolutely. She is the most foremost um, theoretical engineer on board, after all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and Ashlyn, since we're talking about teamwork, like this whole building of the Red Angel is just absolutely magnificent to watch. It's pretty seamless, honestly, as, as seamless as it is chaotic, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of both, but that's just how it goes. Like everyone's running around, everyone has a part to play. They've got kind of a conveyor belt of, of creation going on. Someone's making a panel, someone's attaching it, someone's checking that it works, you know, checking <laughs> it's fused in, that kind of thing. Um, and so then Michael, you know, they're not afraid to just, Michael's like, hey, like, get off the line, like, you're not doing that right, I'll do it, <laughs> you know, and if Michael stands in for you, like, you know, you've done it wrong. <laughs> like, that's so, you've done it wrong. But also, yeah. like, that's, that's just how it is. Like, you can't have ego yeah. in this moment. You can't no, exactly. be like, Oh, why are you pulling me off the line? Like, no, no. like, it's so like, yes. important. <laughs> She's like, or they're, they're just like, moved right out of the way, you know? Yeah, like, okay, you do it. You're right. <laughs> like, please yeah. do it right. What this shows me is that nothing can stop the nerds, because they have been given impossible tasks. At first, they captured an asteroid, you know, and they're, <laughs> yes. they're doing they're like fighting control, they're doing all of these impossible things this season. And then at last, they are like, making this they are charging the crystal for Michael, they are finalizing the suit. It is really, really insane. And just so incredible because yeah. yeah, everyone's working together so seamlessly. I love to watch it. Ashlyn, I think it's time to move on. Are we ready? Let's go. Yeah, by the way, Michael goes in the future. And so that's what this oh, next yeah, no worries. This is next yeah. one is about. Yeah. <laughs> and Discovery. All of Discovery except Spock. <laughs> he wanted Boy to go. Worries. He was trying. Sweet he said, boy. get me away from daddy. <laughs> Okay, so now let's move into upgrades and downgrades. I want to first talk about, again, we discussed how the spore drive was kind of unique in this timeline. Now let's discuss that this timeline has no or very little dilithium and that there has been this burn 
that has happened um, that has destroyed a bunch of Starfleet or destroyed the entirety of every single warp vessel um, everywhere all at once, basically. <laughs> Not great stuff. No, bad news. So all of a sudden, Discovery is the most politically relevant ship in the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Wow, what a surprise. <laughs> We'd love to see it. And they have, um, which, I mean, a lot of people have brought this up, like, isn't it crazy if Discovery is such an old ship that the technology was not further developed in the future? And right. the thing is, with the burn, like, maybe it was, but all the ships are gone. Um, yeah. And also... When Discovery jumped to the future, they completely covered everything up. And so no one was allowed to even talk about any of the members that went to the future. It was uh, completely left silent because if Control ever found out what happened, then it's possible that the whole thing could start over again and it would all be in vain, everything that Discovery accomplished. So yes. I understand this. And so I think I think that's a very good explanation of why there's no more spore drives. But I would really hope, and we have not really seen this in the episodes but i'm hoping that starfleet has a branch that is dedicated to making more spore drive ships because like isn't that yeah. the solution to getting around or just contacting zahia and be like so how did you recrystallize your dilithium and can you tell us <laughs> because we need it yeah i think yeah either way there's a lack of being able to even travel there in the amount of time you know that like they can't even travel to just to Zahia to figure out how to recrystallize it true very true so when we finally get to the future it takes six episodes to well five to locate exactly where the federation is based anyway and then in the sixth episode the opening monologue the opening captain's log i should say is talking about how it has taken only three weeks to upgrade the ship 900 years so love the list so much and here are all the whole list of things that happened to Discovery. So the, as Saru says, the battle scars have been fixed. The internal systems are upgraded and programmable matter has been integrated with pre-burn technology. And so they purposefully left the ship looking similar enough, like their consoles and the interfaces that they were using are a similar design. Like they didn't completely rip everything out of the, of the consoles, but it has the programmable matter so they can just kind of like wave their hands it reads your bio it reads the bio signs and the reflexes of the user and so it gets to know you really really well and then it, in that way it's sort of like sort of like a mental interface like actually we see Janeway use in Endgame <laughs> there we go I got another um, oh, bingo card <laughs> I got another <laughs> another Janeway reference um we should honestly start a Janeway boy a I boy mean board. I think if you're not already playing the drinking game along at home, like, yeah, every time we mention Janeway or really go off topic to any other Star Trek series, like, we're so sorry. <laughs> Are we, though? Are we? No, but I'm a little sorry. I am a little sorry always. I'm yeah. like my poor dad who's like never heard of any of this. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I, I just think the programmable matter is really cool. And I think that's absolutely a logical next step for the like figuring out how to run these ships. And then I also want to talk about the badges because throughout Star Trek, you know, we've had the communicator that you flip open and then TNG, you're like busted open your chest, like trying to like Pagod to Beverly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they really slap their chest. They really, they slap the shit out of their badges. Yeah. 
they basically have made the comm badges our iPhones today because the comm badges do everything. They are tricorders, so you can just use them as tricorders and you like uh, like lift your hand up and suddenly there's like a whole screen in front of you that you can like touch and interact with. That's a tricorder. And then it's also, of course, a communicator and personal transporters. And this is so cool. This is what poor, uh, what's his name, the in the Daedalus episode. Emery, this is what Emery Erickson would absolutely lose his shit yes. over, is these personal transporters. Losing his mind. Yeah, absolutely. Ashlyn, I love these upgrades. I think my only problem with them is that, like, if you lose your badge, you got nothing, bro. You know, like, <laughs> you don't even have a tricorder to stand around. <laughs> you can't talk to anyone. <laughs> get, get your training down. <laughs> I don't know. I think that that is the only problem. It's like getting a phone with a wallet attached where you're like, great, because you have it all in one place. But then if you Bad, lose it, it's all over. You have it all in one place, <laughs> you know? It's that double-edged sword that we live in our daily lives and that they must live with. They're like, where's my badge? And they're running around going, trying to go to work. That was my morning, so I really I mean, feel that. I'm thinking about so many episodes where debris crushes them and then like the communicators don't work anymore. And yeah. that would be a nightmare. Sure. But you would also hope, like, in this time period, the year 3000, not much has changed, but they live underwater. Um, <laughs> um, I would think that they would have, like, indestructible badges, you know, like, you can, like, throw in a supernova yeah. and it would come out okay, you know? <laughs> You'd hope so. Yeah, absolutely. Very good point. Um, I Yeah, I love this upgrade. I love seeing the interface. Owo and Detmer going insane for it is very cute. All of them nerding out about their consoles. Obviously, like, Saru didn't mention, but I would assume that the transporter room was, like, eliminated or turned into another room. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because I love seeing Michael just, like, go from having a, a meeting in the <laughs> ready room to just beeping right onto the bridge, you know? Like, just <laughs> She's like, let's go. <laughs> like, what a good, like, you know, waste time in a crisis waiting in the turbo lift. <laughs> so, I mean, you don't need to yeah, walk anywhere. It's kind of, point. it's kind of like in Harry Potter once they learn to disapparate. Um, yeah. because then like the Weasley twins are disapparating from room to room and not like walking down <laughs> yeah. the stairs. Yeah, LOL. Uh, well, and I was thinking too, of the only one who's having trouble adapting seemingly, seemingly is Linus. So Poor Linus. To him and the struggles that it is to get these new upgrades. It's like me with a new iPhone update. I'm like, ah, I just don't like it. I don't know what's going on. I'm about the wrong places. Everything looks different. So. He's doing well. I, you know <laughs> what, Rihanna? These boomers, we gotta adapt. You and me. <laughs> Ooh, us boomers, yeah. <laughs> gotta adapt to the new technology. Yeah. So I just, I just love this. I think it's really cool. And I, like I said, I love the. It seems like very natural progression of what they're doing to have technology in the future. And if the you have any question about like how could it really, like, or, like it should be more advanced, the whole like handicap of them having just gone through the burn is also very convincing too. So I feel like Discovery has just like covered all of these possible plot holes and I applaud them yes. for it. Yeah, so, they've like so, agreed. so many fail safes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That is just genius. It's interesting too, to see in scavengers because of course they want to take a look at the spore drive and see how the Federation or the Federation wants to take a look at the spore drive and see how this 
how this works, where they can transport to everything, and Stamets has to show the interface, or show his little shunt that he has um, in his arm, and I just think it's amazing, you know, Tilly did her diligence with the spore drive, she's like making sure it's still running, doing well, and Stamets, of course, is still, still there, so it's like, it's kind of comforting in a way that they're still down there in engineering, because I know things are like going really pretty well if Tilly and Stamets are down there. Um, and with this addition of Adira is just phenomenal because now we have yet another incredible engineer to add to this already show-stopping team, you know, so this is amazing to see their contribution to Stamets in this episode, especially because they make the gel interface instead of the shunt, and so he can finally take that out and not have to deal with that, like, kind of painful shunt in his arm that helps him do the spore hops. So, you know, if they're still going to use human testing, might as well make it comfortable. <laughs> yeah, and I love that Adira just took it upon themselves to create this interface for Stamets, because it's not like he was complaining. He was just no. like, Adira's just observing, like, that must be painful, and then just takes the initiative. I just, I think that's so yeah. cool and says a lot about Adira as a character. Well, and it says a lot about their technology, because there's a lot of stuff that now everyone's just like oh we've easily eliminated this problem that has been like plaguing scientists of their decade i wonder yeah, if that so. ever wears off where they're just like dang i am still impressed by the technology these days yeah. <laughs> i mean it would be tough i think but probably you know they adapt really seemingly well after a while but they're all still same old species <laughs> yeah true well, and, you know, while we're speaking of Adira, I also, we can't mention Adira without mentioning Grey, who is, who becomes an even more important figure in this series when he finally gets a body. And this is one of the other amazing technology updates and or upgrades that we see that they're able to make a golem type body. Yes, this is very Picard. And they actually mentioned that Picard gets a shout out, which is amazing. <laughs> so I think it was right around the time when maybe they were just starting season two of Picard. And so everyone knew that Picard had this like, you know, <laughs> Android body, basically golem body. And thus they just slipped that reference right in. It was very, it was very smooth, I think. Oh, absolutely. Well, and just a reminder that only S tier Star Trek characters get second body. So Gray should be yeah. very honored to be with Spock and Picard and Data. Yeah. <laughs> yes, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so it's really interesting to see gray like struggling and delighting you know and getting used to the the new body and all that it brings for him and all that yeah. it brings for him being able to help zora later on which we'll see and talk about soon absolutely okay well let's jump for the first time we'll go a little bit out of order for a second because we want to talk about episode 10 of season four which is the galactic barrier yeah, so this is the story about how Tarka and Oros, how they meet in a Orion prison camp, how they are forced to work on a dilithium alternative engine, and it turns out that Oros has been working secretly on an intergalactic transporter for years. And this really interests Tarka, and they have a little romance, mm -hmm. and Oros has vanished. Like, when he returned, Tarka returned to where he was being held and he was just gone. And so he thinks that he was able to use the intergalactic transporter and get to Kalezi, which is a place that is deep in his culture's lore that he believes to be real, which is in an alternate universe. And it's basically like heaven. It's like peace and happiness and everyone's doing great and there's no war or plagues or anything. 
Yeah. And so Charka, like this is the this is his whole driving force of the whole season is that he wants to get back to Oros and he wants to use the intergalactic transporter. But to do that, he has to have a tremendous amount of energy. And so initially, Oros was planning on using the energy source that the camp was built on and combine that with the warp core that they were building for the Orions. But now, since obviously Tarka can't use those two energy sources, he's looking to use the DMA and thinking that it should have more than enough power. And so he's going to hook it up and try to transport out of here, out of this life, literally. <laughs> yeah, no, literally. Ooh, it's it's so chilling almost this when we hear this backstory and get to start to understand his motivations um, and also to see what incredible engineers both Oros and Tarka are and to see sort of his roots was a lot in engineering and that's why him and Stamets have these tiffs and when him and Book are working together Tarka is taking most of the engineering you know and Reno is the one to spot the holes in his engineering and how she's like she he's gonna blow all of us up <laughs> essentially uh, she's he's not as he's not as smart as he thinks he is yeah exactly like he's definitely a great engineer but he was driven by love and driven by pain you know as reno says like pain is a driving force but it also is like destructive you know and so it's just it's really good to get this backstory and to understand him and see that crazy transporter it's crazy it's almost <laughs> as cool as the extra galactic energy signal the intergalactic or ex, ex, extra galactic transporter no <laughs> it's almost as cool as scotty's theoretical beam to beaming planet one. Oh, we love this we love him <laughs> i have him here so yes scotty ashlyn now that we've discussed you know reno interjecting here tarka at the end his not poking holes in his not great science I want to go back to what we discussed at the beginning of the pod in my crazy techno babble, which was Reno's moment in 10C, asking for the licorice while she's being held captive aboard book ship, which now Tarka is basically his ship, and trying to stop them from doing this. Eventually, she so she asks for some licorice, and then eventually we see that book gets on her side because she's like, hey, you got to look at his math. Like, it doesn't add up look at his science, see his calculations. Um, he'll talk a lot of like pretty engineering at you, but it won't actually make any sense if you like really look it through. And I think that's just great advice in general. <laughs> like don't look a gift horse in the mouth book, you know, is essentially what she's saying. Then she executes the licorice pull off, you know, with that communication chip um, and is able to get in touch with discovery. I love seeing her getting to sort of talk through this with book but also be just doing her badass engineering self like always looking and being like this is completely flawed by the way <laughs> like this person you're following is not actually doing what you want him to do and he's chasing ghosts absolutely and i think reno is the perfect person to have with book in this situation because reno has no ego like yeah okay she's like <laughs> nice rhyme Yes, thank you. She she's proud and she'll like tease you, you know, but she's not like she's never nasty to people on purpose and is not manipulative at all. And so I think when she's telling books so 
matter of factly like look i'm i'm looking at his engineering and it's terrible <laughs> there's no reason for her to lie to him and so i'm very thankful for her to be there and also just you know another throwback i think this is literally an ode to enterprise like using some food to help them solve their engineering <laughs> problem like i personally think that i like the scene better than the mashed potato scene because there's something so wrong about reed taking the mashed potatoes off his shoe the and the shoe, yeah that's the yeah part. that's the worst Hands. Yeah, like, I just it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, agreed, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, okay, Ashlyn. So I think let's round out the end of this pod and talk about the stormy weather that's been brewing for a while since we discussed the sphere and control. And yes. that is, of course, Zora, the now sentient computer who has just gained feelings. So um, new achievement unlocked. Congratulations, Zora. Welcome. Um, you say congratulations, Zora. Congratulations, Zora. Welcome to feelings. Sentient life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> as she's learning in this episode. Brianna, you, so you sound so much like Spock right now. <laughs> <laughs> feelings, they suck. <laughs> Emo Spock in Strange New Worlds. Oh my god. Oh, I want to grow a beard like Emo Spock in Discovery. <laughs> I love his beard. Oh, yes. anyway, this is the, let's, let's return to Zorro. Zorro? <laughs> Rihanna said, let's talk about One Piece. The One Piece is real. <laughs> I have it right here. She's got a sticker That's of Zorro. Um, anyway, let's return to Zora and talk about all of this ashlyn how do you feel about zora gaining emotions and sentience wow 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 <laughs> is how i feel so this was hinted at in a short trek i don't remember what it's called but calypso calypso rihanna knows um yeah in calypso which came out much sooner than season years four yeah it's basically zora like discoveries like abandoned and there's this man who crashes and she yeah. rescues him. She like nurses him back to health and falls in love with him. And this is clearly like, it's the voice of the computer that we've known all along in Discovery. And so this has been hinted at for a long time. And we are finally seeing the repercussions of merging the sphere data into Discovery, something that Gabrielle Burnham had no intention of doing or not no intention, but had no like thought of how it would affect the ship later on. And even if she did, like whatever, it's gonna protect from control. This is really the only option to keep the universe safe. And so what an interesting plot to further with having Zora, like, first of all, the computer chooses her name, Zora, and then- and The voice is different when she becomes sentient. Yes, the voice is different. And we find out in But To Connect that she is having like dreams and memories. And so therefore, that means in some situations like in stormy weather they're stuck in the void she's afraid she's like so overstimulated that she can't even use her sensors correctly and she's like starting to panic about everything going on and so gray like completely comes in clutch and plays like kind of kind of does a little therapy with her yeah. And then they end up playing a game together and that calms Zoro down and up to realize like, oh my gosh, deck 17's like about to buckle, <laughs> like get the people yeah. out. And she is able to talk to Michael about that. It's very precarious when they realize the bridge crew and Michael and everyone that the computer is sentient in this crisis situation, because this is not, this is when you need the computer to do what you need it to do. Because the, like, 
the core of the whole ship is the computer. If the computer's not working, they're in deep shit. <laughs> exactly. And I think it was literally like moments in the episode previous where Zora, like in the turbo lift, was like having feelings and emotions. And Michael was like super sus, was like, oh no, this is going to be terrible. And then we start stormy weather with that sort of ominous feeling, you know? And so I think it's really interesting to see Michael and Zora interact in this episode. I want to also mention this is directed by Jonathan Franks. So thanks, bud, always <laughs> for being perfect. Thanks for the Franks, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, also, I think it's beautiful because this episode starts with a mention a little little mention of enterprise and voyager and that was like really nice to see and then totally blew my mind because when they decide to go in the pattern buffer it's michael's decision and saru had mentioned enterprise and voyager to her earlier and they both have prolonged pattern buffer experience in history with both Menbenga's daughter Rukia and of course the episode the episode where all the telepaths have to be in the transporter buffer for counterpoint counterpoint thank you yes <laughs> not just we watched that recently and it's, <laughs> I still didn't remember this is why there's two of us we have two brains between yeah. us no literally yeah. exactly yeah um absolutely so I screamed like that yeah. was an incredible way to like throw that in as a little get ready like there's going to be a Voyager and Enterprise solution. And then there was, that was so cool. And also Scotty spent a long ass time in the transporter buffer as well. <laughs> True. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we love so a enterprises. Yeah. pattern buffer solution. Yeah. It really works out. Well, and what they, yeah. I thought it was really cool the way they figure out how to exit this void, because this is when, this is the famous extragalactic energy signal that the ship needs to create to like be outside of the void. And then Zora can just follow the signal to the exit. That cute little Bryce on the bridge, I love him. And because he realizes, like Tilly's doing some math and she's like, okay, well, in order to get out, we need the particles to resonate at 218 kilohertz. And then Bryce is like, oh my gosh, that's sonar, like from 20th century Earth. And sonar stands for sound, navigation, and ranging. And it's 20th century echolocation technology. And so you hit the particles with an electromagnetic energy, then it translates into an audible ping. And then that's what Zoro follows. Zoro, <laughs> I said it too. <laughs> no, I keep um, saying it, yeah. And then that is what Zoro follows to exit the void. So we'd love to see it. Great job. We got a little teamwork moment in this episode as well. Incredible. Yeah, I think that the solution is really genius. Michael staying on with Zora to help to both help them through it is really great because even at one point Michael's like I need you to keep talking because before Zora said that Michael reigns her in and then Zora does this Zora does the same for her and that's just like really cool to see and especially like again we're we didn't really discuss much of the sphere integrating its technology into the computer but of course Zora is the conclusion or the like reason for that you know that that she just sort of appeared later on and was just a part of the computer and the, the entirety of the systems really quick i would love to talk about stamets and his sort of growing arc here and i think it's also sort of with working with book and also being thrown into the future and getting his husband back you know and working with reno like he's been pushed a lot in a lot of these different personal and professional directions and i think like you know at one point we were talking about he was ready to leave and teach 
and then at one point Hugh was gonna go to like the Vulcan ship or something <laughs> so they were having a tough time and Reno you know sort of slapped some sense into him being like go talk to him you know just like be open and in engineering i think the environment and the atmosphere has changed so much you know obviously it's changed since Lorca, but it still was you know kind of tumultuous sometimes in engineering during pike's era and season three i think it's it was really tough for him because a lot of stuff was out of his control but he's really found his stride and working with book has helped i think with that like empathy you know and reaching out to him and he at one point even says in this episode i suppose now is as good of a time as any to delegate you know which the old stamets would have never agreed to that no matter the crisis stamets made like what 120 jumps in season one I'm just so I'm just so proud of him and I think it's a really interesting thing they're doing and it's and it's helping engineering clearly become a more like habitable place for everyone. Yes, I love these points you're making about Stamets, Rihanna. I think that book going through this crisis is obviously it's terrible, but it's like giving him free time and like this is a great way to kind of inter- integrate him more with Starfleet and with Discovery and two two people who are very different are able to now jump discovery which is very useful yeah, yeah. and the particles in book's brain are helpful to lead them to where the dma is <laughs> yeah so, exactly you know. right exactly right yeah and i think everything you're talking about with stamets and his you know he's been going through a lot the past couple of years i'm curious i'm really curious about what you think about his argument in the episode but to connect because they are finally out of the void they're back at starfleet and they have this dude with the cool glasses guy he's coming on board to evaluate what is the deal with zora because the rule is any ai that has achieved sentience is not allowed of course to run amok on the ship and so he if he finds that this is a bad situation he's going to take zora out and put her in a new body or some kind of like new form and so there's this like this is a total b plot which is crazy because this is a really important thing that discovery is going through but also like the fate of the universe is the a plot so i understand but in this lowly b plot over here there's like a a group of people who are discussing with sora like what is going on with her (laughs) essentially and so we have stamets hugh glasses dude tilly kovich Kovich, thank you thank you oh my gosh love um i I looked it up just now so (laughs) great adira and gray and i think most people are like well zora has never caused us ill will the only thing right now is that she's withholding the coordinates of where the dma is because she knows that it will get the crew of the discovery and put them in danger and then stamets's argument is this is completely insane because she could destroy us this is so dangerous and i don't want to trust a computer he's having a lot of control literally control issues in and like every way and uh, so so Rian, i'm wondering what you think about stamets and also just in general what your what your thoughts are about this zora sentience trial i have a million plus thoughts about this i do want to point out i think that adira and gray's intervention a little bit later into the like they don't come in in the very beginning but later into the conversation they kind of come in and are like hey we want to like defend zora and this is zora has like you said done nothing wrong has really only sought to help us you know and i think michael 
was a bit on the fence, not as much as Stamets, you know, and even Hugh, of course, has his compassion and he's more on, you know, the the Gen Z's side. It just like really gave that, you know, where it's like, I love that literally at one point, Adira is like, I became a trill and I'm a human. So like, I'm a unique being, you know, and Stamets is like, that's different. And then Gray is like, well, I have a new body and became a new being. And he's like, that's different, you know? And so it's really interesting to see this divide. And at least for me, like, I'm so pro Zora. It's just, it's my, it's the measure of a man in me, you know? It's like Data only has as much ill will as he was like taught and raised and develops on his own, you know? And I think that anyone can develop ill will, can be a harm against you. And that was one of their points. Like anyone on this crew could hurt Stamets or hurt the crew or destroy the ship. But Zora, Stamets' point is that Zora has so much power that like she could easily self-destruct them all or, you know, blast a torpedo at an ally or something. So I do understand that. But yet again, Data makes this point a lot. He's like, I could choke out you all, you know, <laughs> or like there's a, Saru too. He's tall and fast and strong. And we saw when he was like hunting Michael and Ash in season one. Like, that was not, not good. No one talks about that episode. <laughs> no, it's cursed. <laughs> but fast and strong and could kill you. Even they have a George O on board. Like it just cracks me up, not at that point, but they did. That Stamets is more willing to accept George O than Zora. So it just shows you, you know, his prejudice against (laughs) any sort of like sentient computer life because of his trauma, you know, and we see this a lot. This is a very common theme for humans in general is like having this prejudice against someone or a group of people or whatever who have hurt you or have hurt someone you love, you know, but that then just becomes a vendetta and becomes a like biased and sometimes bigoted argument against why she should remain on board, should become a member of the crew even, and be, and be like able to sort of explore her sentience more. She chose her name, she's starting to understand her emotions, maybe not identify them, but getting there, you know, as we all are. And yeah, so I think that Stamets, really like approving and applauding Zora's decision to make like a kill switch is telling of his sort of like engineering mind and of his like maybe stronger desire to just like turn off the problem, reset the program, start again, whole factory reset. I also just think it's him wanting to have that security net. It's really interesting and convoluted, at least for him, you know? So I'm, I disagree with you a lot. Cool. Let's see. I, he says himself he doesn't want to kill anyone that stamets does not want a factory reset zora he just wants to take her out of discovery and have her exist as her own thing he doesn't want he just doesn't want her like in control of his life and able to destroy the ship and take it over i think that i i like personally i think everything he's feeling is completely effing valid because of everything that we saw in season two and personally my own fears about ai like every like the potential of ai we i don't think honestly in our lifetime we actually have anything to fear from ai but like in stamets time absolutely real thing i just think he is the only one who is talking sense at the beginning of the episode i just i think it's shocking how so 
everyone except Stamets is on board with accepting Zora. And they all went through the same things that he did. I know, like what you said, Rihanna, he maybe has like something deeper going on. But I think if I was in that room, I would have the same exact fears as him because there's been no scenario where this has gone well ever. And so he just doesn't have that trust in her yet because he doesn't understand her. And so this is what I actually like about this is that he is convinced in the end. And the the kill switch is an interesting point for sure. And it's true, like I, it shouldn't exist because of the conclusion they end up coming to that Zora, like literally her purpose has changed. She is not just the computer of the discovery, her- Directive or- Yeah, the, yeah, her, yeah, her primary directive, <laughs> her directive <laughs> is getting better <laughs> all together. <laughs> yeah. Her, her directive now is to keep the crew of Discovery safe. It's to keep Summer safe. And in order to do that, sometimes it means withholding the coordinates. But they, they end up talking it through where they realize she's more than the sum of her parts. And isn't that what being alive is all about? She's not just the sphere data anymore. She's not just the computer anymore. She's something new. And so therefore, she doesn't even really qualify as AI anymore. And so this is what gets me on board and this is what gets Stamets on board and say, okay, so now we're actually looking more at like an alien life form rather than a a computer that could potentially go wrong. I mean, how many evil computers are there in Star Trek? I just I, I just think it's it's uh indicative of discovery sometimes. So you might be surprised by my take a little bit, but I think like there are so many ways that discovery does like topical issues like trans rights and like just having trans people exist so well like having adira and gray even on the show at all is amazing and everything talking about gray's new body and i think they're trying to reference that because zora is saying like i made my own name i'm like something totally new i think that in this case it's sort of weird that they're putting their like social values on to zora but it's also interesting, you know what I mean? Like, and it's not even that I'm mad that the computer's sentient. Like, I don't care. I just, I think that it's strange to try to push that at this moment. I don't know. It's one of the weird parts of season four for me. Yeah, this is so interesting. Like, I really appreciate your take. I am, I'm, I was think I was a little taken aback with Stamets. Of course, I understand the control aspect. And I think that that is like you said, extremely valid, definitely proceed with caution. Like, I think that is a good way to approach this situation. And it's kind of what Michael's doing, you know, I trust you to get us out of this situation and to like be our crew back from the buffer. But when it comes to like you withholding, like that makes me not trust you as much. And it makes me worried, you know, like Stamets is saying, but um, I think Stamets reaction, you know, is, is it's pretty strong. And so it's just interesting to me because he spent so long communicating with these spores, which are sort of a integration of technology and of like biology and of like life. But you the know? spores so, like can't take over the ship on their own. Yeah, like I, he, like, he views them differently. Exactly. But it, it's just interesting because he has such affection and care for some parts that integrate with engineering. But I think at least from i'm trying to see see it from an engineering perspective like also how that could be really obviously terrifying of not having control at a certain situation because the computer's withholding it like 
that's you know O'Brien wrestling with the Cardassian computer situation as well, where he's like, I need to, I need to do a, a root canal. What he was saying, but I think for Stamets, I just yeah, I just don't agree. I am definitely more on a, on, on Adira and Gray's side of the Zora debate. Well, and that's fine. Like that's totally fine. I I just think it's surprising that so many people go with it right away. But mm-hmm. you know, good for you. That's I'm just not as trusting as the rest of you. Yeah. This is just so fascinating to me, and I, I really like Star Trek for these kind of, you know, episodes. I wish, of course, it could have had its own full, <laughs> like, Measure of a Man trial episode. Well, yeah, I think, I think that's a huge part of my problem is that I wish it wasn't so smushed in between these other scenes, and I wish we had, like, what does Saru, Michael everyone else think about this you know like i would love to have a full measure of a man zora episode i think that like this whole thing is so loaded with things to discuss and concerns that it should be talked about for longer than 20 minutes like like it is in the episode agreed agreed and i think it would be important to see it from a lot of different angles you know kind of like they did with unification three that was just like a really great way of laying it all out from every point of view. And I think they were able to do that in a condensed form here, but I really enjoyed seeing Kovic in this episode as well, because he plays this sort of like silent monitor, Silent judge. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and he's not really taking either side, just asking questions, just watching, seeing what they're all doing, watching things unfold, asking questions when necessary. And that's just also like the mark of a good scientist and a good engineer, you know, of like, gotta sit back and watch and see and then make my determination. And I, I love seeing this guy come back, you know, I, I think he's always an interesting figure in these episodes, but it's really important for this debate and to keep a level head when emotions are so high from both parties, you know, and yeah. it's hard to see our crew sort of at odds for a moment. and. and at least for me, when I'm hearing Stamets say all this stuff, I'm like, poor Zora. Like, she's just she's getting this, like, roast. And she's just like, what ifs? You know, you could kill me if you want. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'm like, girly, have a little more confidence in yourself. But I just thought that was, like, so interesting. And what a great episode. Yeah, to spark debate and ask these questions. This was even before a lot of the, like, more intense AI started coming to life. So it's- Yeah, this was a couple years ago. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is an interesting episode. I'm I'm glad we had Kovic there as a neutral party. And Zora has been sworn into Starfleet now. So this holds her accountable to Starfleet regulations. And if she deviates from them, she can be punished. However, they figure that out. (laughs) That's another (laughs) can of worms. But- so welcome Ensign Zora to Starfleet. Oh, an Ensign, you'd hope she's at least a lieutenant. <laughs> with, all, with all of the control she I has. guess she's I like Admiral. Control, so. <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> triggered. Oh God. So Ashlyn, wow, this has been just like such a wonderful episode to get to talk about. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I love unpacking stuff with you. I love that we disagree on something because that happens every like... 40 episodes i feel like i know and i still am like unsure i i do disagree i just wish i had i don't know i you know sometimes it's hard to explain your thoughts out loud so i hope someone understood mine (laughs) i I understood yours even like i think you made some really valid and important points and 
so did yeah. you absolutely thank you yeah. uh which side of the debate are you on are you team zoro or team stamets zoro. <laughs> or... <laughs> team zoro. i can't are you zoro team zoro. are you key team zora or are you team stamets are you team kill switch <laughs> or are you team welcome to starfleet <laughs> <laughs> People said it was crazy to bring a Borg into the fold. All I'm saying. Wow, she's brought up seven of nine. Okay, it's and time you. to thank our <laughs> wonderful patrons who keep our show running. Thank you so much to Jordan Hirsch, Megan Chowning, Sci-Fi Haven, MC Freudis, Spotted Giraffe, Isabel, David Willett, Curlon Noskos, Rick Mason, John T. Bolds, Gil Dara, Jeff Richardson, Never Otter Even, Anna Post, T. Alexander, Ivan Fetch, and Michelle. Whoa! Oh my goodness, Lordy! Thank you so much. <laughs> Sorry, a little bit of my grandma, Grandma Marty came out. <laughs> I heard her. I was like, "Who's in the room with us?" We have a great, great grandmother from Texas who's this heavy accent. Anyway, thank you, patrons, so much for supporting this wacky ass pod that we have. We appreciate you so much, and we are pushing to get some more patrons for the start of 2024 because we have some very exciting things coming up. And I think we should probably end the pod with the last exciting thing, Rihanna. I think it's time. Do you I think forgot. it's time? You're so yeah. right. I I'm think let's. Uh, yeah, it's generally around the Discovery episodes that we announce what the next series is going to be. So, Rihanna, will you, before we go, just tell us, drop it, what's the next series going to be? Okay, so the next series of our podcast will be the Mirror Universe. <sighs> I honestly, the only reason I wanted you to announce it is because I kept thinking it over and over again in this episode and everything with Giorgio. So, yes. Rihanna, I'm, this is what we've been waiting for for literally the entire pod. Yeah, I know. It's one of those that we still haven't touched on and we've been avoiding. Like, we avoided it for villains. We avoided it for time travel. We avoided it in family. <laughs> we've avoided it for every single series. We've Love not talked about Mirror. Yeah, so it's going to be phenomenal. We're going to have the best time and so many Star Trek iterations and series talk about Mirror Universe. So we're gonna have so much to discuss. Ashlyn, ah, thank you. For yeah, uh, I second your, ah, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you for everyone who listened to the end of the pod. You got your special treat. <laughs> if you were a, one of the lovely patrons we just read, you've actually known for like a oh, couple wow a couple weeks now so yeah. congratulations now everyone else has joined the ranks of the knowledge so Rihanna <laughs> thank you so much thank you for choosing such an amazing series and thank you you know it was a matter of when yeah. not if of who was exactly. going to choose this series so I'm glad it was you <laughs> yes thank you so much Ashlyn thank you listeners have a great rest of your week or weekend or wherever and whenever you're listening yeah and I want to remind you to not let the Pataks get you down Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the eighth episode of our engineering series, where we will discuss Billups, Rutherford, and all the engineers on Star Trek Lower Decks. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Threads, and Blue Sky to check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating $1, $6, $12, or $23 per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive rewards for each tier. 
You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, death fakeouts, first officers, spooky, and the holodeck series. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, especially the spooky one for spooky time, please go back and listen to any of these awesome episodes. Social media and marketing and editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. Cinco. <laughs> is it six first? Cinco. Quatre. I don't even Quatre. know. <laughs> Five. Four. <laughs> Three. <laughs> I think I could do in fünf, vier, drei, eins, oh, vai, hello, guten tag, and welcome in to the Dura Sisters podcast, podcasting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's all the German I remember. That's all the German I know. <laughs> oh my God. Okay.